Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. going to go into the, the second session, and in this session I want to talk about the relationship between faith and knowledge. The relationship between faith and knowledge, and what part has knowledge in relation to the development of our faith. And so... Let me introduce this subject by saying the following. I believe that the most valuable commodities in the universe are wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. You will not find anything more valuable and precious as wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. All three are spiritual, and all three are found in the Word of God. Yes. So having these, knowing how to live and operate in them, will make us the most blessed and the most successful people on the face of the earth. Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4 says, through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Anything you want to build in life that will stand the test of time must be built by wisdom, established by understanding, spiritual understanding, and knowledge. You want to build a family, you want to build a marriage, you need wisdom. Wisdom that comes from God. You need understanding how to establish what you build and you need knowledge to fill it with joy and gladness and peace and love. Amen. Yeah. Verse 5 says in the same chapter of Proverbs 24, a wise man is strong. And a man of knowledge increases strength. Ooh, you want to increase strength? Gain knowledge. Yes. Right. I'm not talking about physical strength. Physical strength profits very little. Yes. When it comes to the challenges of life, to the problems that we face, to demonic activities, physical strength profits little. What you need is spiritual strength and fortitude. Yes. And that comes through knowledge. Proverbs says that God used these three forces to create the worlds visible and invisible. Proverbs 3.19 says, The Lord by wisdom, He founded the earth. That's why the earth still stands. With all the earthquakes. 
with all the abuse that we have given to it, with all the hurricanes, with all the destructions, the earth continues to stand and it will stand until the Lord Himself destroys it by fire. The Lord, by wisdom, He founded the earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. And by His knowledge, the depths have broken up, were broken up, and clouds dropped down the dew. You see these three, again, spiritual forces. God used them to create the worlds, visible and invisible. And Paul, knowing this truth, and I want to communicate this to you this morning, prays for the church. You know, Paul doesn't pray for a whole lot of things like we do today. Lord, touch him. Lord, be with me. Lord, this. He just prays for these three things. When you have these three forces operating in your life, you don't need anything else. You don't need anyone else. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, he says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask. What's he asking? That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? That you may walk worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing Him. You need those three forces if you're going to walk a walk that is worthy of God, glorify God. People who are void of these forces, they cannot walk worthy of the Lord. They cannot please God. Because they lack wisdom, they lack understanding, and they lack knowledge. So he said, you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, and being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. So when you pray for yourself, pray this prayer every day. It's a prayer that you can pray every day for your loved ones. Lord, I pray that you may fill me with the knowledge of your will. With all spiritual understanding. With wisdom. And then believe you receive. Amen? Amen. But right now we're going to concentrate on one of them. Knowledge. And I'm talking about spiritual knowledge. Not natural knowledge. Spiritual knowledge. Natural knowledge comes from studying, education, and your five physical senses. But the knowledge that we're speaking about is the knowledge of God that comes by the revelation of the Spirit through the Word of God. And I say this because we're talking on the subject of faith. The measure of spiritual knowledge we possess will determine the measure of faith we exercise and will determine the measure of grace we receive and appropriate from God. The measure of spiritual knowledge we possess will determine the measure of faith we exercise. And the measure of faith that we exercise will determine the measure of grace that we receive and appropriate from God. I say that because faith operates on the platform of knowledge. 
faith begins where the will of God is known. You cannot believe God for anything that you do not know He has already given you. So faith operates on the platform of knowledge. Where there is knowledge, faith is always present. You don't have to struggle to believe. You don't have to try to believe. You hear believers often saying, well, I'm trying, Pastor. No, 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 no. You don't try to believe. When there's knowledge, faith is present. When the light turns on, darkness flees. Faith always rests. Does not struggle, does not strive. You're not trying to believe. You know. He who believes has. Not going to have. Amen. Amen. So, where there is knowledge, faith is always present. I believe that we don't really have a faith problem. What we do have is a knowledge problem. There's nothing wrong with your faith. You don't need any more faith. There's nothing wrong with your faith. The problem is not your faith. The problem is in your head. Amen. 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 I say this. According to the scriptures. Lack of knowledge. Is the cause of all the failure. All of the heartache. All of the problem and the pain within the church. The root cause. Of all our failures, of all our struggles, of all the heartache, of all the pain, is a lack of knowledge. God said through the mouth of Hosea the prophet that his people, he said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, God says, I will also reject you from being a priest for me. Do you see that? That's where we need to work on. What you don't know can kill you. You heard people say, and I've heard them say it, ignorance is bliss. No, it's not bliss. Ignorance is a destroyer. Amen? If I violate the laws of electricity and touch a live wire, what am I going, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to get electrocuted. Now, this is nothing personal. The electric company doesn't have anything personal against me. It's just that I violated the laws that govern electricity. And when we violate the laws of God, the spiritual laws, we get hurt. And we violate them because we don't have enough knowledge. It's nothing personal. Why did you do this to me, God? God had nothing to do with it. It was your stupidity and ignorance. Or your outright rebellion and disobedience. Amen. So many people blame God. Rather than taking responsibility for their actions. Amen. Ignorance is the primary weapon of the devil. The primary weapon. He is called the prince of darkness. Darkness in the Bible is referred to ignorance. He's the prince of ignorance. And ignorance is the field or the platform on which he works. Mm. 
He takes advantage of what we do not know. And He uses it against us. Amen. So, if we destroy the platform on which He works, then we can destroy His works. Just pull the rug under His feet. Not just in our lives, but in the lives of our loved ones. To stop His work, we must receive light or spiritual knowledge. That's the only way you can stop Him. The Bible defines light as knowledge and darkness as ignorance. Now, Psalm 119 verse 30 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light, and it gives understanding unto the simple. Now, you walk into a room and it's flooded with darkness. What do you do? Do you get a bucket and try to empty the darkness out of the room? That's stupid. You don't do that. What do you do? You just flip the switch on. The moment light comes, darkness flees. The moment knowledge comes, faith rises. Amen. Amen. So you want to chase the darkness out of your life, out of your family? Get light. Get knowledge. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Not only does it give light to the simple, but it also multiplies. Knowledge multiplies the peace and the grace of God that operates in our lives. Grace is not multiplied by prayer. Lord, give me more grace. You're praying wrongly. Lord, give me more peace. It doesn't come through prayer. It comes through knowledge. Peter says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Do you see that? According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. (coughs) Knowledge. Understanding. So I say this. Knowledge of God. Who God is. Knowledge of what the Lord has done for you and I on the cross through Christ. Knowledge of who we are in Christ. What we have in Him. What we can do through Him. It destroys, it eliminates the work of the devil who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Gain knowledge. Hence the reason the Lord instructed us to preach the gospel to all the world because through the preaching of the gospel, through the teaching of the word, light comes. And when light comes, darkness flees. They that sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, it's recorded in the book of Matthew, saw a great light through the ministry of of the Word of God. That's why the Word says in Corinthians 1, 21, it pleased God yes. <laughs> by the foolishness of preaching 
to save them that believe. God chose something foolish. The preaching of the cross. The Bible says, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us it is the power of God unto salvation. So if we desire to grow in the development of our faith, we must first grow in the knowledge of God and His Word. Because knowledge, listen to this, knowledge, that's what the Spirit said to me some time ago, is the fuel of faith. Here you call it gas. Right? We call it petrol in South Africa. You may have the most expensive mode of transportation. You may own a jet. But you know what? Without fuel, you're not going anywhere. That's why I say to you, there's nothing wrong with our faith. Our faith is perfect. We don't need any more faith. It is the faith of the Son of God. It is the God kind of faith. But we need the fuel. Or else we're not going anywhere. You're going to end up walking everywhere. Even though you have the most expensive vehicle parked in your garage. It's not going anywhere without fuel. Hello? Amen. 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 So it is with our faith. We have the faith. But without a mind that is renewed with the knowledge of God, we will not experience the goodness of God and the power of God working in our lives. The problem is here. It's not here. It's not in our spirit. Our spirit man is brand new. The problems we're having is... Stinking thinking. Unrenewed minds block the power of God. Negative thinking. Negative talking. Will short circuit the faith and the power of God in you. And you may cry. You may pray. You may fast. (laughs) But unless you get your mind renewed. Nothing is going to work. Amen. That is why the word of God says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Amen. That's why we go to Bible school. That's why we study the word, not so that we can get God to do something for us. God has already done everything he's ever going to do. It's so that we may learn and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. You see, a renewed mind is a spiritual mind. That is why the Bible says in Romans 8, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But to be carnally minded is death, is depression, is sickness, is fear, disease, and doubt, and unbelief, and all of the diabolical works of the enemy. But a spiritual mind, a mind that is renewed, is life and peace. It is a mind, a renewed mind, it is a mind that is filled with the knowledge of God and one that is stayed on God. Isaiah 26 says, you will keep him in perfect peace. How? Whose mind is stayed on thee. A renewed mind will evaluate everything from a spiritual standpoint. We'll look at a situation 
and will discern and evaluate every situation from a spiritual standpoint. But a carnal mind, an unrenewed mind, will evaluate everything from the natural standpoint. How you feel, what you see, what you smell, what you taste. Cannot see beyond that. But a renewed mind sees in the world of the Spirit and imagines and sees the works of God in every situation. That is why I say to you that the greatest need of the church today is not more money, it's not more power, it's a renewed mind. That's the greatest need we have. Amen. So as long as our minds are kept in the dark or unrenewed concerning the truth, we will continue to be defeated in life, being alienated from the life of God. That's what Ephesians says, chapter 4. A darkened mind alienates you from the life of God. What does that mean? It separates you from God. Because your mind is darkened. That's why Paul says that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. You want to have close, intimate fellowship with God, you've got to have a renewed mind. Otherwise, you cannot walk with Him. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? Amen. The more your mind is darkened, the more you will feel separate from the life of God that Jesus came to give you. The abundant life. Proverbs 4.23 in the Good News Translation says it this way. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Did you hear that? Your life will be shaped by the kind of thoughts that you think. One will always go... In the direction of our thoughts. Where the mind goes, the man goes. Amen. Especially our predominant thoughts. Men don't just, or women, don't just wake up in the morning and say, well, I'm going to commit adultery today. It doesn't happen that way. You think about it. You dwell on it. The things that you see, the things that you look, and you constantly think, and that thought becomes an obsession until you end up doing it. You don't just get up in the morning and decide, I'm going to rob a bank today. It doesn't happen that way. Amen? Amen. Our lives are shaped by our thoughts. The kind of thoughts that we think. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You are who you think you are. Amen. God may say, you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. But if you think, I'm just so weak. I'm just such a failure. You may not be in the eyes of God, but to you, you are because you think that way. Hello. You have what you think you have. And if your thoughts are accumulated by what you see with your physical eyes, what you feel with your senses, you will never rise above your feelings. You know, we've got to understand 
that the Word of God is not subject to how we feel. We've made our feelings God, and we bow before them. I feel bad. I must be bad. I feel depressed. I must be depressed. I feel sad. I must be sad. Hogwash. You are more than just a physical being. You have been born again by the Spirit of God. And as Andrew Womack says, you are one third wall to wall Holy Ghost. Amen. You are not just a human being. Oh, you pastor, you know, I'm just, I'm just human. No, you're not. You are superhuman. Because the Christ lives within you. The anointed one. And the anointing which we have received abides in us. And we have no need that any man teaches, but that same anointing teaches us concerning all things. So you think, you have what you think you have, and you can only do what you think you can do. And we will never be able to function beyond the scope of our thoughts. Your faith will never rise above the level of your thinking. Your thinking will always press your faith down. It will lock you in prison if you allow them. Your thoughts can imprison you, or your thoughts can release you into the freedom and the liberty that Christ came to give us. So if we want to change our lives, don't jump on your behavior. That's wrong. Jump on your mind. If we want to change our lives, we must first change our thoughts. This is the true meaning of the word repentance. Repentance has nothing to do sometimes with you crying, feeling guilty or ashamed or remorse. Repentance comes from the two Greek words. Meta and no. Meaning, change your mind. That's exactly what it means. That's why Jesus said, repent, change the way you think, and enter the kingdom of God. The way we enter the kingdom is by changing the way we think. The way we function in the kingdom is by changing the way we think. It's just as simple as that. Amen. It implies making a decision to turn around and to face a new direction. And no one can change his life without changing the way he thinks. So you don't like your life? You don't like your circumstances? You don't like the situation you're in? Start changing the way you think. And start changing the way you talk. Amen. 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 Hence the reason God instructed us to meditate in His Word day and night so that our minds might be renewed with His thoughts. Meditation in the Word is constantly thinking God's thoughts and speaking God's Word. Meditation in the world's way is worry. You know, well, you know, Pastor, but I can't walk around with the Bible in front of my face. No, God is not asking you to do that. But how many of you drive to work while you worry all the time about your job, about your future, about tomorrow, about your kids, about your health, about your body? That's meditating 
in the words of the devil. Yes. Why not change your meditation? Take a verse of scripture as you leave the house and meditate and think upon it, ponder on it all day long. You will be filled with joy and laughter and peace and joy. Amen. Listen to what Paul said to the Philippians. Finally, brethren, listen to this. Here is a list of things that you can think about. He even gives us what to think about. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. There you go. There you go. It might be true what you're thinking about, but it might not be praiseworthy. That's right. So don't think about it. That's right. Amen. Don't think about it. Amen. Amen. You hang around people that all they do is talk negative and think negative, it'll affect your faith. Get away from them. Amen. Jesus kicked them out of the house so he could do his work. And you need to be bold. Somebody wants it, comes and tries to gossip, just walk away. Amen. You know, this is one of the things that I fail to, to, to understand believers. We're talking about born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers. will work 45 to 60 hours a week. Why? In order to sustain themselves physically, financially, and provide for the physical needs. Yet these same people will not spend just a few hours a week to renew their minds or study the Word of God. And we expect to be strong in faith. How can you be strong in faith if all the word that you receive is on a Sunday morning? You don't do your own studying. You don't do your own praying. You don't do your own research. You come to Sunday, you open your mouth and say, Ah, feed me, Pastor. What have you got for us today? Instead of coming to give, you're coming to receive. And you wonder why is our faith emaciated and weak and cannot lift anything up. We feed our bodies three times a day and we give our spirits one cold snack a week. Do you? <laughs> it would have been so funny if it wasn't so pathetic. But do you expect to grow and to be strong in faith? Something has to change. Amen. And we have an identity crisis in our churches today. You know why? Due to an unrenewed mind concerning who we are in Christ and what belongs to us through Christ. You know, in the natural, without proof of identity, you cannot transact in any meaningful way. Somebody sends me a registered letter. I go to the post office to pick it up. They know who I am. They know me for 30 years. I show them the receipt. Can I have my registered letter? He said, ID, please. But I could say, but you know me. 
I've been coming here for 30 years. You know that's me. They don't want to know. They want proof of ID. You go to the bank. You may have a million dollars in your bank. You go to the cashier and you say, can I have please 100,000 or whatever you want? They will say to you, who are you? They know you. Proof of ID, please. If you cannot show proof of ID in the natural, it is like you are non-existent. You don't exist. You were not born on this earth until you show proof of ID. Do you know that in the spiritual, it's the same thing. The devil doesn't know you until you show him proof of ID. Amen. You remember the seven sons of Sceva? They tried to cast the demon out. The demon spoke up and he said, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? I don't know you. Praise God. If you are ignorant of who you are in Christ Jesus, if you do not have a revelation of your authority in Christ, what belongs to you because of Christ, you are unable to walk by faith and unable to experience the goodness of God in your life. The devil won't let you. He will steal everything from you. Amen. The only true source of information concerning your identity is the Word of God. Now listen carefully. Faith in who God says you are and what belongs to you in Christ is your proof of identity. The devil knows if you know. And you're not just experimenting. Well, I tried, Pastor. I resisted the devil, but he didn't leave. Well, Jesus said, you resist him, he will flee from you. Yes, but I tried, but he didn't leave. Jesus said, if you resist him, he'll flee from you. It's because you don't know who you are. Faith in who God says you are. And what belongs to you in Christ is your spiritual proof of identity. You must know who you are. So when you stand up and rebuke the devil, you rebuke him with the assurance and the authority that belongs to you. Amen. 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 You see, the word of God, it's like a spiritual mirror. It gives us a true picture of who we are in Christ. Let me read it to you. James 1, 23 to 25. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a person observing his natural face in the mirror. If you hear and not do, you're like a person who looks his face in the mirror. He goes away and immediately he forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, not being a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. You see, when you look intently into the word of God, 
you believe what the Word says, you act upon it, that Word becomes a perfect law of liberty that sets you free from every diabolical bondage. It will set you free from rejection. It will set you free from sickness and disease, inferiority complexes. Doubts will fall off of you. Unbelief will fall off of you if you will just intently look into the mirror and believe what you see. And act upon it. Let me ask you a question. I've asked this before. How many of you have seen your natural face in a mirror? Can I see your hands? How many of you have seen your actual face? None of you have. What you've seen is a reflection of your face. And when you looked into the mirror in the morning and your hair is out of shape, what do you do? You accordingly do what you see and comb your hair and put your ladies, put your makeup on. Well, that's what the Word of God is. It's a spiritual mirror. You look into it and it says, I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I look into it and it says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I look at the Word, the mirror, and it says, As He is... So are we in this world. Not going to be. He's talking about your spirit, man. He's talking about the new you. Amen. You've got to know who you are in the spirit. First Corinthians 5.16, Paul says, we know no one after the flesh anymore. We don't want to know anyone after the flesh. There's only two categories, categories of people. Believers and unbelievers. Light and darkness. New creations and old creations. We don't know anything after the flesh. But we are so well versed in the flesh. We know who we are in the flesh. We know what we look like. We know where we live. We know what our name is. We know where our parents are. We know where we were born. We're very well versed and educated. But if I ask you, who are you in the spirit? Do you know? And that's the identity that we should have and know. Because that is who you really are. When you were born again, your spirit man became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Another translation says, a new species of being that never existed before. You have been empowered with the Holy Spirit. The same resurrection power dwells in your spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You became a new person. You must know yourself according to that. Now your body, still the same. And someone said, if you were stupid before you got born again, you're stupid after you got born again. If you were handsome before you got born again, you're still handsome after you get born again. Your body didn't change. We haven't received a glorified body yet. Your soul hasn't changed. That is why we, the new creations, have to take the Word of God, renew our minds, and discipline our bodies. When you have the mind and the spirit in one accord, it's two against one. 
the body has no choice but to submit. That's why Paul says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Who's the I he's talking about? The spirit man with his renewed mind. But if your mind is unrenewed, it will side with your flesh. And it's two against one and put your spirit in prison. Do you see that? Amen. Amen. Praise God forevermore. The law, the perfect, the word of God, when we look intently into it and meditate in it day and night, becomes a perfect law of liberty. And sets us free from rejection, from all manner of fear, from guilt, from shame, from inferiorities, from sickness and disease, from poverty and lack. And will renew our way of thinking, setting us free from our limitations and our weaknesses. That's what we need to do. Get your mind renewed. God is not going to do anything about your mind. You do it. And so many of us want God to do what He told us to do. He's not going to do it. God is not going to do anything with your body. You will have to discipline it. You will have to subdue it. But I keep under my body. Because your body would want to do things you've done before you got born again. Flesh is flesh. Any way you cut it. Jesus said the flesh profiteth nothing. It is the spirit that quickeneth. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for having given us your precious word. And through the word we renew our minds. Thank you that you've given us your precious Holy Spirit. That we have someone to guide and lead us into all truth. We appreciate you and we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit today. Thank you for the gift of your precious word. We value it. We appreciate it. Teach us to value and appreciate it much more, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.